Well, this certainly sucks. <laughs> but it's no time to panic. If you're still the king, just say what a king would say. Can't we all just get along? <laughs> Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children Podcast. This is Luigi, and I have a public service announcement for everyone. The ABCs of a good marriage are air conditioning, beer, and could you shut up so I can enjoy my air conditioning and beer? And I'm Stephen. Have, have you all read the book, The Man is Always Right? And I'm Annabelle. And have you read that book, The Woman is Always Right? And I'm Tyler. And I haven't gone skiing yet, but I probably will if a girl asks me to. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Married with Children podcast. Woo! This is our inaugural show for the new cast as we all know our beloved alex has decided to step away from the show so we the members of the research team as well as some of the guest hosts from the last few seasons got together and we're here because we want to carry the bundy flag through the end of season 11 so here we are and we hope you enjoy our show isn't the bundy flag a surrender flag it's all white yeah, it, it's it's actually the Bundy Anna flag, uh, right, Annabelle? Oh yes, doubt about that. About halfway through this season, so stay tuned. And it's totally just tied to a stick, and it's being waved up like every single Looney Tunes cartoon I've ever seen. Because this episode is one of the few that I've seen where Al is a he's a cartoon character i mean a literal cartoon character from beginning to end every skit every gag looks like this is straight out of a chuck jones looney tunes cartoon so this is season eight episode two hood in the boys al is thrilled when his childhood friends ask for his help in dealing with a young thug and his gang who have been harassing her at the inner city convenience store where she now works but how does al explain it to peggy Simply put, Al checks himself and Peggy into a local hotel near the rough neighborhood and sneaks out to comfort the thug Ray Ray and his gang, only to get beaten up by the youths again and again. Special guest stars Matt Borlangi as Ray Ray, Deborah Engel as Mary Ellen Litchfield, Kimberly Page as Jackie, Alex Zahn as the bum, Sky Bassett as Ray Ray's girlfriend, Chuck Lefevre, or Lefevre as Skippy, Sunday. It's shocking. Gee, Al, I wish you could feel my heart. It's horrifying. I wish I could feel your throat. It's the Bundy second honeymoon. <laughs> and all new Married with Children. Then he's kind. Hurry up, Larry. I'm late for the beauty parlor. Yeah, 40 years late. He's gentle. You're a very charming lady. Tell me, where's Mr. Cock? And he's the perfect role model. I'd rather him protect himself with this. You're making a this out of yourself. Richard Lewis and Don Rickles star in Daddy Dearest after Married with Children Sunday. So the title of this is a pun on Boys in the Hood, a 1991 American team hood drama film written and directed by John Singleton, 
which stars Ice Cube, Cuba Gooding Jr., Morris Chestnut, Lawrence Fitzburne, Neil Long, Regina King, and Angela Bassett, and follows uh, Trey Stiles, who is sent to live with his father, Furious Stiles, in South Central L.A. John Singleton, he just passed away recently, didn't he? Yes, he did. All right, so this episode opens up with Peg reading the National Talator and with a centerfold, a very big centerfold, of Oprah's wedding gown. Um, uh, Oprah and her boyfriend, uh, Stedman Graham, have been together since 1986. They were engaged to be married in November of 1992, but the ceremony never took place. So here we are, 27 years later, they're still together, but they never actually got married. Ah, interesting. That was probably the first time I've seen the uh, centerfold gag work that way where someone's pulling it (laughs) sideways. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess that's in line also with the theme of Married with Children, Don't Get Married. Oh, yeah, that definitely, or you'll Oprah yourself out. So we open up with Marcy coming in and asking about going to the beach. Hi, Peggy. We just came by to borrow some lawn chairs. <laughs> Jefferson's taking me to the beach in the morning. The beach, huh? Gee, I can't remember the last time Al took me to the beach. Can't remember the last time Al took me. <laughs> sure as hell wasn't at the beach. So, Annabelle, as I recall, didn't we see a big episode of them at the beach? We did. In Season 3, Episode 21, Life's a Beach, funnily enough. But has the beach been mentioned since then? I don't think so. But, yeah. Someone who just went to the beach uh, fairly recently, I can tell you, wow, it's a pain in the butt. So, I don't blame them. It's just one of those things where, like, hey, let's go to the beach. Then you're finally there, and at the end of the day, you're just like, Okay, I'm not doing this for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought it was funny in that li- that dialogue. She says, I can't, I can't remember the last time Al took me to the beach. Now, we know that, but she says, I can't remember the last time Al took me. Now, back in season seven, there was that famous episode where uh, Al takes Peg, and I think that was, you know, the he got the most sex points. Till death does part. Till death does do part, sorry. That's it. Which didn't make sense as an episode title. No. <laughs> I mean, Hood and the Boys, I think for this episode, makes sense. But that made absolutely no sense. What a lazy episode title. I love it. <laughs> like, how do we do a pun on Boys in the Hood? Yes. Uh, four hours later, all the whiteboards are filled up. Some executive comes in, is like, what are you guys doing? Look. And just swaps the words around. And everyone goes, oh. Luigi, did you say who wrote this episode? <laughs> ah. Thank you for pointing that out. This was uh, written by Michael Moy, so the show's founder. So we we know that whenever we see something by him, it's going to be good. Oh yeah, we got a veteran right here uh, writing it away. So that explains why this episode just flows so easily. Oh Peggy, it's such a shame you didn't marry into your own species. <laughs> Vertebrates love to go places with their wives. Take Jefferson. Like you wouldn't want him back. For example, I meant, in the book that I got him, the woman is always right. Jefferson has learned the ABCs of any good marriage are... Appreciation, balance, and consideration. Well, you know, Al believes in the ABCs of a good marriage, too. Only his are air conditioning, beer, and could you shut up so I can enjoy my air conditioning and beer? 
So, so now we get to Marcy and Jefferson. Now, Jefferson, if you look at uh, what's happening on screen, he's looking at a, what appears to be a Biggins, if I'm not mistaken, while uh, Marcy and Peg are talking. Did he bring that in from home, or was that already in I don't know. I house? thought it was like... tucked in the couch or something, but I have to go and watch it. <laughs> I was like, where'd you get that? I would that? agree. I was not paying attention. I didn't notice he was looking at Biggins. I was distracted by how skinny Marcy's legs look and those shorts they made her wear. Oh, and Annabelle, can you, can, can, as our uh, local female, can you tell me what the hell is up with this weird-ass hairdo oh, Marcy's rocking right now? I don't now? know, like, but this is not her shining season. <laughs> Second half of the season is better, but I don't know. This hair that she's got going on in the first half of season eight is just her worst ever. And I would personally never have a haircut like that. All due respect to Amanda Burse. I love her dearly, but, oh. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't have a haircut like that either. Would you, Luigi? <laughs> um, definitely not. <laughs> because Amanda Beers is very cute, and she can pull off short hair and, and look, still look adorable, but it's the weird wings that she has going underneath her ears. It's like a helmet. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so so Marcy talks to Peg about this book. You know, the, the woman is always right, where we learn about the ABCs of a good marriage. So, Stephen, I know, I mean, you were married and I were married. I mean, would you agree with you know, appreciation, balance, and consideration or air conditioning, beer, and could you shut up so I can enjoy both of those? <laughs> oh, boy, it's really hard to say because, you know, I love my wife. <laughs> we got along great, <laughs> except she didn't like married with children. <laughs> I think that should be a thing for every guest. If you're married, that's your disclaimer when you come onto the show. Uh, first off, I want to say I love my wife. I cherish our relationship. Okay, that's good. It's on record. <laughs> now continue. <laughs> of course, they probably just said that because the woman is always right. <laughs> now that's why for the disclaimer right there. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. Well, now what's yours, Luigi? Um, no, I, I, I would agree with, I would agree to, with Al on, on, uh, on his points, you know, especially <laughs> in the hot summer. Um, nothing beats air conditioning, you know, if you want to keep your sanity. To let you know, Willis Carrier is the inventor of air conditioning, and he is my favorite person in the world. He could have been a child murderer. He should still be in heaven just be for inventing air conditioning. In a, in a nice, cool heaven with the air AC he I built up there. Nice. Yeah. yeah. There's many a time when I walk into my home and, you know, the first thing I say to myself, especially in the summertime, it's like, God bless the guy who invented air conditioning. Could have, could have been a woman. It could have been a woman. You know, I don't care. But at this point, it's like the, the, the highest circle of heaven should be reserved for that person. Okay, so now Al and Jefferson talk about their uh, first loves. Hey, guess what happened to me today at the shoe store? Oh, a cop came in, gave you a ticket for loitering. <laughs> so no friends at all are enough for you now? I'm sorry, Al, go ahead. Okay. Jefferson, was there ever a girl in your life that you were so nuts about, so crazy for, so unbelievably in love with, that you would do anything she asked you? Yes, Marcy. Really? Yep, Marcy McGuire, my third grade teacher. Oh, I remember she used to wear this certain skirt and sometimes if there was a lot of static electricity in the air, it would. Jefferson, this is my story. What would it do? 
cling to her bottom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, anyway, there I was in the shoe store. Yeah. And guess who I heard from? Mary Ellen Lisfield. My Marcy McGuire. Oh, should have seen her. She was the most beautiful girl in the neighborhood. Oh, I tell you, I'm so in love. So, uh, did you do her? <laughs> You're a toad. You know that, Jefferson? <laughs> Why would I say I was in love with her if I ever had sex with her? And uh, Jefferson talks about Marcy McGuire, not his Marcy. And Al talks about Mary Ellen uh, Lisfield. <laughs> so I thought one of the great lines there was, you know, you're a toad, Jefferson. is like, why would I say I was in love with her if I never had sex with her? <laughs> what was the name of the writer of this episode again, Luigi? It was Michael Moy. Okay, that is a Michael Moy name if I've ever heard one. Like, was it Mar uh, Marcy Lisfield? I don't know. That's just such a, that's such a, like... It seems like a real name that he just pulled out of the phone book, but it also see, works with who Al would be into. I don't know. <laughs> Here's my question. Jefferson said he was in third grade when he was in love with this woman. Third grade? That would put him about nine or so, maybe ten. And when you're at that age, guys are not interested in girls just yet. Real men are, Stephen. <laughs> I would say, it's like, I remember my first crush was in kindergarten. Aww. I, I mean, I don't think maybe it might be sexual at this point. Was it the lunch lady? In his case, it was. No, it wasn't the lunch lady. She, it was for me. She gave me food, so she was my favorite woman in the uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess like we all have our like, we all have our ages where you know we um, uh, have have a crush or whatnot. Yes, but gang, they are referring specifically to their well, Al is anyway, referring to that oh that one person where even long into our you know adult lives, if you spot them in a yearbook or nowadays see them on Facebook, you're just like, ooh, dang. I gotta look at this picture a little bit more. Do we all have somebody like that? Um, I was thinking if everyone's comfortable, want to share that one person? Uh, possibly. Like, does anybody here have a, have a name? <laughs> Michelle Johnston. Oh, you didn't even have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Seventh grade. Yeah. My first, also my first kiss. Ooh. Oh man! Oh, it we does not count if you actually make it. Man, that's not a fantasy. Oh, and that's a reality. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Scarlett Johansson. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies, uh, slash Annabelle. How about you? What kangaroo, kangaroo did you fall in love with? <laughs> kangaroo, oh, that's cruel. That was cruel. That was cruel. Oh my god! <laughs> I want to say I'm not the only one thinking these jokes. No, there was a guy I had a crush on in high school. He was a few years older than me, so he didn't know I existed. And his name was Shane Neville. So yes, I do remember his name still. And it turns out that his sister was actually in the same year as me, and I didn't know this until after I left school. So I could have had an in. And Luigi, who was your long-lost love? Hmm. Uh, well, my, my first crush was this girl named Elizabeth. Um, I don't remember her last name. We were in kindergarten together, and I think maybe the second grade, if I'm not mistaken. 
but that was a very long time ago. Mine was a girl named Shelby Schultz from high school. And it was totally the, if she walked up to me and just for some weird reason, like said, hi, Tyler, how you doing? I would just be like, (laughs) that's literally me. I got tongue tied every time I was around her and never did anything. And she actually just got married uh, about three years ago. Saw her uh, pictures on Facebook. Looked really pretty as always. That wasn't going away. <laughs> so I totally get where Al's coming from in this. Like, yeah, Good point, Al. You're right. So go ahead. What happened? Well, uh, she went off to college, but the, before she went, I told her if she ever needed anything to call. And today she did. So now you're going to do her. <laughs> My doing days are over, Jefferson. I'm done. <laughs> But get this, she's living back in the neighborhood. She's running her father's old soda shop. Now, a few of the kids in the neighborhood are giving her a bad time. So I'm gonna go straighten things out. What are you gonna tell Peggy? Same thing I've told her my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) But what I do is none of her damn business. So, so Al goes and talks about Marilyn Litchfield and the fact that she has now moved back into the old neighborhood, running her father's old soda shop, etc. And uh, Jefferson brings up the book, The Man is Always Right. Al, Al, Al. Have you ever read the book, The Man is Always Right? Uh, no, wife wouldn't let me. Well, in the chapter titled, My God, Is She Still Here? <laughs> It clearly states that the longer a couple has been married, the less likely a man can hide anything from his wife. (laughs) There hasn't been a woman made yet smart enough to read Al Bundy. Hi, Peg. What are you hiding? That's got to exist, right? That, that there has to be a book like that out there. It was out of print ever since it was debunked. <laughs> <laughs> Two days after it was released. Yeah, like f- fake book. Although, One although, day. although I will say, like the chapter entitled "My God, oh, yeah, she's still here." That's a wonderful t- chapter there, right there. <laughs> <laughs> what really kills me is the punchline on that one was when. Um, <laughs> Al responds, no, my wife wouldn't let me. <laughs> oh, God. That's a good chapter title. Oh, no, my wife wouldn't let me. Jefferson comes up with this bright idea that uh, Al's not too big a fan of. Hi, Pink. What are you hiding? I was at the shoe store today and I got a phone when, call. When, when he realized that he hasn't taken you on that second honeymoon that you've always dreamed of, and now he is. Now I am? Oh, Al, you are? You really do care. Oh, Peg, I, I swear I don't. Oh, I gotta go tell Marcy. <laughs> okay, I know what you're thinking. Oh? then why aren't you crossing your legs? <laughs> Look, Al, don't you get it? Now she can't suspect anything. All you do is you just go get a hotel near the old neighborhood, and after you take care of business, 
then you can go take care of business. Now, you know, when I was rewatching that, you know, Annabelle, you're our Married with Children expert. I mean, they have had a few second honeymoons because, like, Peg keeps harping on it's like we've never had a second honeymoon before. So, I mean, the hop on in motel or when they go down to Florida. I mean, it's just, just funny. Again, you know, we, the old crew would always talk about continuity. Yeah, but I, I mean, think you know, Peg just wants to have sex, basically. When any opportunity she can, she would make a honeymoon out of. But there's one episode that Peg's not even in in um, season five, and look who's barking. And Al says. Oh, she's been begging for a second honeymoon for years, so better her than me, or whatever it is. <laughs> she's she's not even in the episode. Oh, thank you, Annabelle. I never thought about that. Okay, you know what, Annabelle, you just totally made me realize something. It the second honeymoon because like I was watching this last night and this morning right before we started recording, and both times I'm like, the second honeymoon kind of just fell out of there like i i don't remember it and now you made it realize because like it the honeymoon is one of the very few times that even al bundy has to agree uh sex needs to happen it's the honeymoon it has to happen i can't weasel my way out of it so yeah she's getting the one guaranteed trip that will yeah guarantee that means I have to have sex with my wife. <laughs> hey, sometimes if you want to win the war, you have to burn the village. Al wants to kill Jefferson, and you know, Jefferson gives him this line, um, which didn't make sense to me at first, and says, sometimes if you want to win the war, you have to burn the village. So what I do, like when I was part of the research team, was like try to look in and see like, you know, well, if, if it's not an exact quote, like where's the analogy come from? And there's a famous quote that says, if you want to take the island, you need to burn the boats. And that's, I believe, where it comes from. Oh, Al, this is so exciting. Look at this room. Look at this bed. <laughs> and it's even made. <laughs> Our second honeymoon. Just you and me together for the whole weekend. Gee, oh. <laughs> I wish you could feel my heart. I wish I could feel your throat. <laughs> but uh, enough foreplay. This is our honeymoon, and I say that uh, we shouldn't waste another minute of it. Oh, baby. Well, I haven't seen you like this since Ginger Week on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> so then Peg gets really excited and she says, you know, oh, I haven't seen you uh, like this since Ginger Week on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I, I guess Al really has a thing about redheads because he's excited about Ginger. I got excited about Ginger when I was younger. Maybe that, maybe, no, that was my first celebrity crush. Ginger. Or maybe Marianne. I think I like Marianne better. Or maybe yeah. both together, right? Hey, that'd be, <laughs> hey, that's best. That's best. <laughs> okay, so Alan Pegg are in their uh, second honeymoon suite, and we have a whole montage that appears. So, uh, what'd you have in mind? Well, first off, I say we get out of these clothes and then start things off with a good, long, hard nap. <laughs> nap? Yes, Peg, just uh, you and me, or better yet, just you. But Al... <laughs> to fool around. Oh, Peg, that'd be just like our first honeymoon. Well, not if we fool around together. 
Just a quickie, Al. Oh, oh, please, honey, just a quickie. I promise, and then I'll go right to sleep. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Make it quick, because I'm out of So there's a space rocket launch, there's a jackhammer on concrete, there's a wedge going through a log, an old-fashioned washing machine, a submarine launching three torpedoes, and I question whether that's the ejaculation, right? The sumo wrestlers in the circle. That was my two trains colliding. One. Right, right. And, and the, uh, you know, and all that, it's all like a Looney Tunes type of music. So, uh, Tyler, your point about, you know, very cartoonish type of uh, episode right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, and even before, the first time I was like, okay, we're in a Looney Tunes cartoon is when Al is, oh, my God, the jackhammer's starting up on my uh, screen right now. Um, but no, when Al's like, when Jefferson asks Al, like, well, what are you going to do if Peggy finds out? He's like, I'll tell her, and then he stops, and he just, he tiptoes over like Daffy Duck, and I can hear the music, bump, 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 Sounded bum, like bum, Foghorn Leghorn then. I say, boy. <laughs> uh, is what I do is my own business. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's right. I say. That's right. <laughs> no, he was my favorite of all. Foghorn yes, Absolutely. Oh, I, yeah, say, I love this saying. You ain't going to get none of that nookie over here. I uh-uh, say none. <laughs> all right, sister. Out with it. Let's have it. Now what, I say, what's a big idea bashing me on the noggin with a rolling pin? Clunk enough people and we'll have a nation of lump heads. <laughs> now hold on, that was a joke, girl. Lump heads, lump heads, nothing to cry about. Now let's hear your side of the story, sister. Well... I know just, I say, I know just what you're gonna say. You're looking for a husband. Well... Well, you're going about it all wrong, girlie. You don't bat him on the bean with a rolling pin. That comes later. No, he'd be referring to, you know, Miss Prissy with the blue bonnet, you know? <laughs> Can you hear anything from that little blue bonnet? I say, boy. I say, boy. And my favorite one he ever said was, that boy's as sharp as a bowling ball. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, and uh, some of the history of Foghorn Leghorn is that he was based on a, a character, for, I think, from like the 1920s and 30s. There was like some uh, some character for like mo- like some movies that were made during that time period that like sort of dressed up like that Southern gentleman, you know, I say, I say, boy, and that, you know, that's where he comes from. I mean, I don't know it off the top of my head, but uh, very interesting how like some of those characters were developed. I know some one of those retrospectives, there was the episode where Al is the fortune teller. Uh, Annabelle, help me out with this one. What? Psychic Avengers. Psychic, yes. right, Psychic Avengers. Uh, in one of those retrospectives, Ed O'Neill said that that was one of his favorite episodes that he liked, and he liked doing the Foghorn Leghorn voice because that was what what he was doing in that. So it's just interesting we mentioned Foghorn Leghorn, and that was one of his favorites. <laughs> okay, I thought there was a Foghorn Leghorn-like thing in there. Thank you. Psychic Avengers, Okay. Okay, next on the list, a Looney Tunes podcast. Hey, it's on, it's dropping on HBO Max, and on an unrelated note, I just purchased HBO Max.
So, so next up, so Al walks into the soda shop, and we have an iconic scene here. I'm uh, here to see Mary Ellen. She's upstairs. Hey, aren't you Al Bundy? Himself. <laughs> How did you know? Everybody knows you, Mr. Bundy. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing about coming home, they never forget you. <laughs> so we meet uh, Mary Ellen's niece, Jackie, and she says, everybody knows you, Mr. Bundy. And all of a sudden, you know, he's like, oh, he's so happy that people remember me from the old neighborhood. And you get that pan into that uh, picture of, you know, do not take checks from this man. And can I just say this setup here of this soda? Wait, you, you called it a soda shop, Luigi? Um... It, it's totally just like a Seven Eleven convenience store with a rickety, uh, like a rickety table in the middle of it. But I'm like, I have it paused, and I'm just looking in the background. There's a flat out Coca Cola sign. There is a totally Pringles chips in the background here. I don't know if this is product placement or just. They are filming in a legit convenience store. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I would, I wouldn't disagree. I mean, one thing is that, you know, in the Chicago area, technically they would have called it a pop shop. Oh, you know, I, I know a little bit about you know sort of the vernacular of Chicago because early on, like in the early seasons, uh, Kelly uses the word pop to describe soda. Now, for those of you who are in the Northeast, like myself, it's soda. If you're in the Midwest. I would. I guess the question is, Tyler's for you being from Michigan. Is it pop in Michigan as well? It is pop. Or is it soda? It is pop okay. in Michigan and Ohio, uh, as far as I can tell. Maybe Indiana as well. No, it's soft. Okay. What about in Oklahoma, Stephen? It's usually pop, or quite often it's just Coke. What is it in Australia? Annabelle fizzy water. Oh, uh, coffee. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Say, little girl, you look familiar. Uh, you wouldn't happen to be Mary Ellen's daughter by any chance me nah i'm jackie her niece yes i knew it my dream girl's still untouched all aunt mary's kids are grown <laughs> ah, well what did you expect the same little virgin you used to walk to school so someone else touched her what difference does it make damned slut hi al oh mary ellen you don't look like a slut at all. Thanks, Al. You're not exactly a sack of road apples yourself. <laughs> so I think this is interesting because it touches on you know, this whole concept of unrequited love that Al has for Mary Ellen uh, Litchfield. If you remember like in Peanuts, like, you know, Charlie Brown and the little redheaded girl. You know, it's like I, I see like similarities into into that. You know, I, I see some similarities into that uh, that storyline. I don't know. Do any of you have like an unrequited love that you know maybe you felt like that, and it's like you find out later that maybe you know what you thought of them might be somewhat different, or maybe what you imagined of them. Hmm. No, they're all still fantasies for me. Like I got many of them, and I, I just uh, I think what. Al is touching on is the idea, like he all of a sudden realizes when Mar uh, when Jackie, the little girl, goes off to get Mary Ellen, and he's thinking, oh goody, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, I'm gonna get to see my old crush, and then like his brain kicks in, he's like, oh crap, what if it, 
what if my memory gets tainted right now? And he looks like he almost wants to, like, leave. Even though he's not saying it, his body motions, the way uh, Ed O'Neill's body is acting, it looks like he's his body is shifting like he's moving towards the door. Like, I could just walk right out and go back to Peg. Ooh, maybe I don't. Never mind. When Al breaks out of his, uh, you know, little dialogue in his head, you know, the first thing he says to Mary Ellen is like, oh, well, you don't look like a slut at all. <laughs> and she's got a great line. She's like, well, you're not exactly a sack of road apples yourself. <laughs> so, you know, I, I didn't know the connotation around that. So I looked it up and road apples refers to horse dung, horse shit. <laughs> I spilled my drink laughing when I read that in, in, in your guys' show notes, Luigi. I'm like... Oh my god, that's so great. I was like, that's a dumb thing for Al to say, but it's actually very smart. <laughs> By the way, um, I know this wasn't anybody's first time watching this episode, but I-, I had forgotten it. How many of you were possibly thinking when Mary Ellen was about to come out that a big fat girl was about to walk out? Yeah, I... Th- I didn't. I, I'm... Yeah. I was just sort of thinking back to when I first saw this episode. I think I expected either, yeah, she's either going to be some huge woman that would come into his shoe store. Very beautiful woman. Yeah, she looks like she just walked off the set of Seinfeld. So, like, she looks like she would be a Jerry's girlfriend. Like, uh, just a. Yeah, she's just a normal, attractive lady. She's so. Sorry? Not. the, The show usually goes huge with these, like, past figures. And it didn't. It chose to go kind of uh, plain with her. And this is one thing I really found endearing about this episode is that they have a friendship. Al is truly friends with this woman. He truly cares about her. I mean, if he didn't, he wouldn't have gone out of his way to try and help her. And that was one thing that really shined for me in this episode to see their friendship. Yeah, to your point, Stephen, I think when we get to Al's big speech at the end, like he sort of uh, shows his hand, partic- you know, particularly around like why he's doing it. Oh, shows his hand? You mean like explains his ennui perfectly? <laughs> like, yeah. No, I think he, yeah, I think everybody's referring to when he talks about any chance of nailing you now or something like that. I can't remember the exact quote. No, no, no. I'm, I'm thinking about the speech he gives. I mean, well, well, we'll get to it when we get to it. But Mary Ellen Litchfield is paid, played by Deborah Engel. So she's known for appearances on The Golden Girls, Dream On, and Golden Palace. Oh, she crossed over to The Golden Palace? I, th- I think she's one of Blanche's daughters. Yeah, I, I can vaguely remember her. I feel like she was oh. the daughter. Yes, she wanted to be artificially inseminated. That is Wait, a is hilarious she, episode. She is. She's she's the girl who's <laughs> gonna get who's gonna get fucked by a robot. I mean, <laughs> I have nothing to wear to a smile. Well, ma, mother, you you see whispers into her ear. She goes, oh, oh, oh my god. <laughs> we now get introduced to Ray Ray. <laughs> you want you want to tell me about those kids who've been hassling you? Well, um, the main one's name is Ray Ray, and he's not a bad kid, actually. In a lot of ways, he reminds me of the way you were. I I don't want to get him in trouble, Al. I just figured with you guys being so similar that... Uh Uh-oh. Here he comes. This little punk? What's so similar about us? (laughs) Hey. Give me a couple of steak and egg sandwiches, huh? You know, in my day, when two people were talking, a man would wait his turn. 
Yeah, well, in your day, there only were two people. <laughs> now, give me a couple of steak and egg sandwiches. You never paid for the ones you had last night. That's why I said, give me. <laughs> so, uh, Mary Ellen tells Al that, you know, she, she called him because this kid reminds her of Al. And she thinks that Al can talk to him and maybe, you know, get um, Ray Ray to lay off. Now, um, you know, Ray Ray comes in and he's like, well, you know, who this little punk? And, you know, he's got his hands down his pants. Yes, he will return in a certain episode in season 10 called Enemies, which is one of the worst things I've ever seen. No, it's a spinoff attempt. Um, the Married Children's third spin-off attempt. It was in late season 10. It's called Enemies. This is like a, a takeoff on Friends and whatever, and it's pretty dire, but he will return on that. Yeah, I actually have like, you know, a message for uh, Dan and Jamie. I mean, they, they hated Top of the Heap. That's interesting, because I think Alex said he hated the Radio Free Trumaine, the, the second spin-off attempt. Honestly, I don't mind that one too much, but it if he's when he sees Enemies again, he, that's going to go top of the list. Top of the heap, if you will. Can I bring up a theory that I can that I will totally edit out if we decide we don't want to go this way? But I definitely want to hear what you guys think. Since the episode's called Hood and the Boys slash Boys in the Hood, and we hear a character called Ray Ray, a local thug off the streets of Chicago, were, it, were any of you guys surprised at the skin color of Ray Ray when he walked in? I think the char- the writers were trying to make some type of commentary or maybe call out people's supposed, uh, you know, racial, uh, you know, denominations of names and culture and stuff like that. Because I was just, these are all like the, with exception of like one black guy at the end, these are all like the whitest, jerkiest looking punks I've ever seen in my life. And well-dressed. They're they're shooting dice at the end. Something that you would see in a classic, like, you know, Harlem sketch or something from New York. I I just... I just don't. Th- I think there was some intentional, like every- they're like, oh, you know, what it's gonna be, and then in comes no, the dirt bag's a white guy. You racist in the audience, like <laughs> I don't know. Just- uh, I, I mean, the other thing you'll notice in the gang, there's even some females in the gang. Like you know, d- during yeah. the beat up scenes, you know, you'll see like a few females, uh, and it was, and it was, I'd say, actually, even if you, I think, if you look at the faces of the characters, it was like sort of racially mixed. You know, but you're right. I mean, I think predominantly white but still mixed. Now, this is one of the things that's interesting about, you know, Al when he goes into his old neighborhood. So, Bud and Kelly are growing up in suburban Chicago. So, the house itself is, the location is probably the northern suburbs. The real house is in the far northern suburbs of the Chicago area. But, you know, you look at that street scene and you're looking at really what would be like considered a downtown Chicago area. But with a stoop like that, that's more of a New York scene. It's not actually the way things look like in Chicago. I think that's why Kelly and Bud are just shoved right in here as like a post-edit thing for the show. Because uh, quite frankly, if you're not paying attention and when they say where they're going, you might think, oh, they must have traveled to New York. So when when cud and bunt and belly show up <laughs> which i never caught until today because of the subtitles <laughs> uh, but when they show up you're i'm like wait 
what the hell are you guys doing here? And they're like, oh, they're still in Chicago. They could just take a bus down here. I think they put that in there because it does look disgusting where they are, they are at. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the other things I'll talk about, that's a recycled set. You know, we've seen that scenes, particularly those steps. If you remember, I know, Annabelle, you'd remember this in particular. Remember for the Barbie episode, like when Al and uh, Steve are hunting for the Barbie and there's sort of the cop in the window. I mean, like, it's, that's, it's the same stoop. Because that's the word we would use in New York City. It's a, it, that same stoop is identical. Oh, yeah. I could just hear the saxophone in the background as they're walking. Yeah, same street anyway. Yeah. Like, I mean, the beer, like the beer, like, you know, when they, he, the, the beer tax episode, I mean, it's that set. Probably, you know, reconfigured you know, from different angles. But uh, very, very, you know, if it's not identical, it's very, very much the same. Do I know you, man? Ever hear of Al Bundy? Poke high, all city, four touchdowns in one game? No. Hey, wait a minute, Ray Ray. It's that bad check guy. Oh, yeah, Al Bundy. Hey, what is up, Al? What's up is I was king of these streets before you were the gleam in the eyes of a couple of strangers at an Eagles concert. And that lady you've been picking on is a friend of mine. So, uh, as the former king of the streets to a pretender to the throne, we can handle this two ways. Either in here like gentlemen, or out there like Ren and Stimpy. (laughs) The choice is up to you. So, Alan Ray Ray exchanged some dialogue, and um, he makes a reference to Ren and Stimpy. So I think Tyler. So I think Tyler, you you would appreciate that. I absolutely did. They're trying to get that five-year-old audience that was watching <laughs> Ren and Stimpy at that time. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and I think just before that, there's that we have the introduction of Ray Ray's girlfriend, which is, "Hey Ray, it's like it's that bad check guy," <laughs> and it's like that's like the, sort of the one thing that Ray Ray seems to be impressed about. <laughs> And that's why this show works so well, because unlike most sitcoms, when their guests come in and they're all fish-out-of-water people, everybody on Married with Children, with a very few exceptions, everyone knows what's going on. Everybody knows where they are and what they're doing and how high they need to play it. And Ray Ray and his crew are, and his girlfriend are no exception. Ray Ray's girlfriend is played by Sky Bassett. She unfortunately died at the age of 23 in 1997 from a virus that attacked her heart. Such a shame. Speaking of Ray Ray's gang, did you spot the guy behind Ray Ray in the purple sweater? Oh, I love this. I paused it, Annabelle, to see this entire crew, because you were right. There there are... (laughs) (laughs) It is a multi-ethnic gang, kind of. (laughs) Yeah. There's a dude in... That guy in the... That guy in the purple sweater, he's um he's going to be on Buffy soon after this. Yes, he is. <laughs> oh, my God. What about the guy, my favorite, is the dude in the greaser jacket and overalls underneath, which I've never <laughs> seen before? <laughs> I didn't notice that. Huh. So so in, in that dialogue, Al says, I was king of these streets before you were the gleam in the eyes of a couple of strangers at an Eagles concert. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
Yeah. I mean, at one point, like he says, like you know, like the he goes to somebody's like the to the three Habibs. It's like when you were the gleaming eye of a New York City cab driver. You know, so uh-huh. slightly recycled joke, but I mean, your mother was the desperate and desperado. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So the Eagles are an American rock band formed in L.A. in 1971. With five number one singles, six number one albums, six Grammys, and five American Music Awards, the Eagles were the most one of the most successful musical acts of the 1970s. Their album, Their Greatest Hits, and Hotel California ranked first and third, respectively, among the best-selling albums in the U.S., with 38 million and 26 million album units sold. So, you know, I, I mentioned this when I was on the um, season seven wrap up show. It's like this, the show, when you watch it, I mean, there's a lot of pop culture, and we're going to get to some pop culture in a minute uh, for 1993, but there's a lot of pop culture in this show that goes back to the childhood of these writers. So, you know, as I said, if you're 40 years old in 1993 and you're writing for Married with Children, you're thinking back to your childhood, which is the 1950s and 60s. So, you know, this show really covers that, really that post-war period of everything that's happening. If you're a someone who is a fan of the show at this point in time, again, the demographics are someone who's like 18, 20 years old into their 30s and 40s. Now, mind you, I was a freshman in high school during this period of time, so I was on the younger end of the age spectrum. But, you know, Stephen, I mean, you know, you're slightly older. I mean, and they were, they were probably targeting you at this point in time. So for yourself, maybe remembering the 1970s, I mean, how does that feel when you hear something like that? Oh, uh, I can always relate to it because it interests me. Interests me. It taps into what I, I remember growing up. I remember more of the mid to late 70s because I was only about, uh, I turned 10 in 1977. So, yeah, I can remember the Eagles and many other things from then. But I really consider myself more a child of the 80s because I was also going to high school and college during that. Right. I mean, and, and uh, you know, Tyler, you were gleaming, you know, your parents' side during this period. Oh, right? no. See, <laughs> if, it, if, if they were targeting me, it would have been gleam in your eyes of two strangers at a Weezer concert for me. So. <laughs> I was thinking more like Motley Crue. Oh, no, 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 no. No, my parents would not be going towards Motley Crue. No, they were into the, uh, it, they were into that like punkish thing that was still riding the wave of like the uh, late, late early early eighties. That punkish kind of rock that didn't really know if it was punk oh, or rock. Okay. But yeah, my parents were into some weird music. <laughs> well, my parents probably would have been Queen or something like that. <laughs> So, you know, there's also that comment about Ren and Stimpy. So Ren and Stimpy is an American animated TV series uh, on Nickelodeon. And it follows the ca- title characters of Ren, an emotionally unstable chihuahua, and Stimpy, a good-natured yet dim-witted cat. It premiered in August of 1991, along with Rugrats and Doug. And throughout its run, it was notoriously controversial for its dark humor, sexual innuendos, adult jokes, and shock value. So, uh, very much not unlike Married with Children. Well, I'm probably the animation fan out of all of us here, way more than like anybody else. And let me tell you, Ren and Stimpy set the tone for how all animated content was going to be for the next, I would say, 15 to 20 years. Like, gross-out humor, the screaming, the body uh, horror aspect of it, and just, 
like there are elements in SpongeBob, there are elements in it, um, in all of the main shows that follow afterwards. It, it, like I've rewatched Ren and Stimpy, and I'm like, oh, this is where it all came from. This is what defined my childhood. Okay, got it. <laughs> and just to prove that I can link anything back to Married with Children, given the opportunity, do it. Stimpy is is voiced by Billy West. Billy West is the voice of Fry in Futurama. So there's a link between him and Katie Seagal. Oh, yeah. Like, Billy West does the voices of almost everybody. And he also did the voice of Ren a lot of times when John C.K. was in jail and couldn't do it. Now, he wasn't in jail then. He should have been. Very terrible person. But it was an awesome cartoon. (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, I I can tell you stuff all (laughs) night, Annabelle. Yeah. John C.K., terrible person. <laughs> yeah, so, so Al gets beat up by Ray Ray and his gang. Begging your highness's pardon, but if I may suggest a third option. And, you know, what I want to point out is it seems really out of character. I mean, I feel like, you know, Al has been able to beat up people on his own. I mean, we've seen this happen. Like, you know, we've it's seen him like in bar fights. We've seen it. guys versus one. He is not... Even Bugs Bunny would have gotten his ass whooped. Like, it just... <laughs> you Except Chuck Norris. He would not have gotten whooped. But still, Al Bundy against six guys? No, that's not going to happen. In real life... No, I, 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 in I real know. life, yeah. it would... No, no. I don't care. Like, you are going down. If it's six against one... You're going down. So now we get into Al goes back to Peg, and you know Peg, um, you know they reminisce reminisce a little bit, and Peg mentions some of her old <laughs> boyfriends. I was king of the streets once, wasn't I? Of course you were king of the streets once, honey. You and your boys. You remember, Crazy Andy Guzik, Pete the Beat Brumbalo, <laughs> Tony the Tongue McCullough. I wasn't Peg. I never knew anyone named Tony the Tongue. Well, I guess he must have been one of my boys. Tony the Tongue. That's right. Crazy and And music. Crazy Andy Goose. Well, l- let me tell you, I, I you know, uh, the, the characters that I knew in high school, I had people with like names like this. And actually, I want to give a shout out to one of my friends, uh, Big Mike Sangiamo, who was known as uh, Big Mike the Tongue. <laughs> what? Uh, you know, the if, tongue? if you remember, what the hell is the, the tongue? tongue? I thought they made this uh, up in Married with Children. What? No, no. You know, he, he, if you remember from Kiss, oh, yes. uh, it was a Gene Sim- Simmons who would like stick his tongue out. You know, like, yeah. and, like uh-huh. and come out like you know, like. Uh, like really, like, I mean, a long tongue, and he could do that. Katie so, Segal uh, That was his nickname, and and my friend, he's actually a. D- yes. So many yeah. women dated him and were probably yeah. disappointed. Like, yeah. he's actually uh, he's actually a DJ uh, at this radio station on Long Island, ninety four point three, The Shark, uh, WWSK. So he's usually a fill in guy, oh, but amazing. Uh, he's guy no, he goes by Big Mike today. But back when I was in high school, he was known as uh, the Tongue, or at least that's what I called him. I was about to say, big surprise, <laughs> a guy named Big Mike the Tongue didn't become a DJ. Right? <laughs> yeah. Did anybody else have uh, nicknames growing up? Uh, I was Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> What a nice high school you went to. 
Yeah. Well, it started with my football coaches. They called me Scotty. <laughs> And it stuck. And of course, I had to endure all the beat me up, Scotty. Give me warp drive, Scotty. It was it was funny the it was the fir- funny the first five hundred thousand times I heard it. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. Oh, you were in high school during the eighties, you said. Oh man, yeah, you uh-huh. missed out on a decade if you came in. If you were in high school in nineteen ninety three, everyone would have just been singing. Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. Over and over to you. <laughs> Or you're killing me, Scotty, uh, or killing me, Smalls. Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, I've had my fair share of, of uh, nicknames through the years, or you know, but I'd say one of the, my favorite ones lately, you know, it's like I, I get a lot of telemarketers that call me for my job, and it's like, oh, you know, they want to sell me something, you know. So I work in IT. It's like, oh, we can sell the service, this and that. So a lot of times I get people from India, and they're not, maybe not familiar with my name. So I get this. It's like, it's like, hello, may I please speak with Lugi? So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, it's like I just be, been reduced to a lot of spit, you know? Oh man, Lugi, that's a perfect name. I'm gonna go back in time to your high school and start that for you. I one time had a telemarketer call me. Now I spell my name Stephen with a PH, and this telemarketer calls me and asks me, "Is there a step hen there?" Step hen. And I thought. I just told her there's no one here by that name, and she wasn't like from India or someplace. It was America. Oh, it, it, the name was probably like capitalized in weird places. Well, no, I doubt no, that. No, no, still... Some people, some people just can't read a name. <laughs> no, I was just thinking. I think I got off pretty easily, but uh, I did get called Tinkerbell because it ends with Bell. But that's about okay. it. But no, it'd just be Annie or Bella or. But um, one time I got a phone call and they were going off my email address, which is Mary Daniac, one word. And they said, hello, is Marie Daniac there? I thought my name was Marie. So I think that's about as far as it's gone with me. It's got to be Marie. It can't be this other weird <laughs> name I'm looking at. Like. <laughs> at least you're not a water spit, right? So I said, you got to look forward to that. Yeah, my school was a last name nickname generator. Uh, Tyler is nothing. So they, they no one cared about that. But my last name, Tigno. Oh, my God. Tiggy, Tigs. Tigger, and the most creative one ever was this guy who would get drunk off of a quart of vodka before gym class, and he would come up to me and just go, Hey, it's Tiggy Tugboat! Get over here! <laughs> I just thought so of a Tiggy name. Tugboat. I just... Yeah? Uh, I, one guy, one day, he thought he was the cleverest guy on the planet. He came up to me, and he said, I just thought of a name for you. And he goes, Anna Smell Shitford. <laughs> yes! And I just stared oh, at him, yes. dead in the eye. I didn't laugh at all. Anna Smell Shitford. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put that as your uh. opening line when the episode begins. <laughs> Hi, I'm Anna Shitford. <laughs> Thanks, Tyler. Tyler. As a teacher, I got to tell you this one. My very first day at this new school I was teaching at in rural Oklahoma, I was going through the the uh, list of kids, the roster. I came to one and I hesitated. And I went ahead and said it. Peter Hancock. Uh. This kid immediately raised his hand and says, Chad, please call me Chad. <laughs> Peter Hancock. Oh, God. What he were just his dropped both thinking? names. Like. <laughs> 
Uh, Peter yeah. Foot Penis? It's Hancock now. <laughs> why? Shut up, that's why. <laughs> okay, we need to keep this PG. Yes, yeah. uh, don't worry, I can... Hey, yeah. No, they're all... Penis is an actual na- a word, a medical term, and Hancock's a real name. So, yeah. If your mind yeah. is dirty, uh, so, it's so, not my fault. <laughs> so, Stephen, in keeping it with PG, we'll move on to the second sex scene. Yes! <laughs> After she finishes reminiscing about Tony the Tongue McClue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my boys. That's what I need, my boys. Oh, no, you don't, Al. You can do this all by yourself. Do what, Peg? So we have uh, an oil well, a pencil sharpening, two rams hitting each other, and a vibrating chair, which I think was footage from the Apollo program. (laughs) Oh my god, guys. Tony the Tongue. I didn't realize that. That's not one of Al's boys. No, it's Peg's. Al's like... I don't remember uh, Tony the Tongue. And Peggy just goes, oh, that was one of my boys. Yeah, oh. it was Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Katie Seagal might have been a roadie back then, right? You know? <laughs> His tongue right. stretched that far, I see, all the way to Chicago. Okay. <laughs> it's time for no man to take a little break in the jiggly room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. Yo, Ray Ray! All right, so now we're introduced to uh, Al's football team. And Annabelle, I believe this is the first time we see them, right? As a group. Well, yes, certainly as a collective. At first, something I noticed today, I thought, oh my God, one of them's wearing 33. And I thought this was was a a massive error or something. But then I realized that his shirt's actually 83. But at a quick glance, it looks like... Just stretched out. (laughs) 83, but you get a good look at them from the back. So we have... So we have 11, 50, 83, and the infamous Skippy is number 77. Okay, punk. <laughs> you okay, Skippy? Yeah, I'm all right. Good. What, you got donuts in that thing? Hey, we walked from the car, okay? As I was saying, now that the odds are a little fair, let's re-examine your options. I thought that was Chris Farley's dad for a second. Like, <laughs> this guy is so funny. <laughs> He's got the fat guy cat on and everything is just so beautiful. <laughs> Wheezing, yeah. Uh, you know, he's got his uh, his inhaler. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's great. And, you know, I think Married with Children is his only credit. And uh, unfortunately, he died in 2009. That's sad, but that's an awesome only credit to have. Like... He brought this episode out on dinner parties all the time. Like, there I am. Look at me. Yeah. He appears. He appears again. Sorry, in Dud Bowl, and then there's. Uh, uh, then we have his death scene, Annabelle. Yeah, right? yeah. I was going to say it's interesting you said that because he will die in season nine. So. Oh God. A uh, spoiler alert. Sorry. 
<laughs> Who's the dude who looks like Rob Reiner uh, behind Al in the Bermuda shorts? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Like, why is he wearing shorts yeah. to a fight? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's hilarious. Hey, you know, I, you know, it's funny. It's like Al usually is insulting like fat women, so here he's, he's insulting a fat man. He goes to Skippy. What do you got? Donuts in that thing? <laughs> you <know? laughs> uh, so yeah. So as he talks to Ray Ray, you know, and all of a sudden he looks back when he's ready to fight, and Ray Ray shows the re- his bigger gang. It's like they all disappear, and and Al picks up that inhaler. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> I thought that was like you know beautiful, like you know a beautiful scene right there. The car peeling away. Way, like <laughs> we were talking before about uh, camera angles and things, and you know when the camera swoops up when the guys walk in when Beat It's playing, I just love that shot. I just think it's so cool. And they must have paid for that too because I clocked it. That's more than ten seconds, and it's legit the music from Beat It. And yeah. Michael Jackson was huge at that point, so I'm that that that's just a lot of money to. I pay attention to like licensed music in shows and. I just know, like, oh, that's where all the budget for this episode went, was this one song this character needed to sing. Or, like, oh, this is why we need audio commentaries on DVDs and Blu-rays for this show. Oh, they can oh tell God. us all this stuff. <laughs> now, 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 Alex, you know, Alex, Dan, and Jamie would always comment about how much they love Jerry Cohen. Now, it's interesting, this episode was directed by Tony Singletary. Um, and actually, I think a bunch of episodes in season eight, in the beginning part, and then it goes back to Jerry Cohen at one point. So, definitely appreciate the camera angles. Absolutely right. Al is confronted with Ray Ray's gang. <laughs> what, are we supposed to be scared? <laughs> well, let me tell you something about the king and his court. Well, this certainly sucks. <laughs> but it's no time to panic. If you're still the king, just say what a king would say. Can't we all just get along? And when he just goes, can't we all just get along? I lost it. It's a Daffy Duck line right there. Like, that is something that Daffy Duck would say if all of a sudden he was going to get the crap beat out of him. And by the way, Luigi, you called it Ray Ray's gang. No, 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 no. The group, the six kids who were with him in the soda shop was a gang. He whistles in a full-on army like shows up the entire neighborhood <laughs> there's like i can't, i couldn't count i lost count after like 20 guys like and like four women <laughs> now well I, I mean so so tyler you probably a little young for this but you know this is iconic for this period of time this was the words of rodney king so um, this was, uh, he was an American construction worker turned writer and activist later who survived an act of police brutality by the LAPD. On March 3rd, 1991, he was violently beaten by police officers during an arrest for fleeing and evading on California State Route 210. During the riots, and there was a lot of riots in the LA and actually around the country, 
King made an appearance on TV and he just said these words. I just want to say, you know, can we all just get along? Can't we all just get along? And it became, uh, you know, the iconic catchphrase of this period of time. So anyone watching the show when it first premiered in 1993, that's, we all lost it when we saw this. And I don't think he ever really said, can't we all just get along? I think it was, um, and that became like the phrase that he was known. It's almost like beam me up Scotty, right? From what I understand, beam me up yeah. Scotty was never actually said on Star Trek. It never was, no. Yeah, but it became iconic. And this was, this was the line that was iconic for this specific period of time. So that's really what made it funny. Mm, okay, so you know what? Thank you very, very much. I love that. That's, uh, that actually makes a lot more sense because what I saw when this big group came out, and I'm looking at a screenshot of it now, and you're right, this is a incredibly multi-ethnic group that I'm looking at right here. All I think of is the guy from Warriors, can you dig it? Like, it looks like four different gangs got together to kill Al Bundy. <laughs> okay, I found the actual quote Rodney King said. It's, can we all get along? Can we, can we all get along? Right. That's what mm-hmm. it was. That's right. But it became, can't we all just get along? That's what ended up becoming mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in the popular culture. We know it's a great quote if it gets bastardized like that. So. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yep. Be me up, Scotty, and can't we all just get along? Yeah. Play it again, Sam. That's another one. So Inconceivable. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just played the clip again, and like this, the guys just keep coming. It fades out, and they're still walking towards Al. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and to me, the payoff is, you know, you know, right after he gets beat up, Al returns back to Peg. Oh, please let her be asleep. <laughs> oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Peg, can't we all just get along? <laughs> you know, he gets into bed, and she she pesters him for sex again, <laughs> and he repeats the line. Can't we all just get along? Great. <laughs> she just ignores him. It's so perfect. Like, Ed O'Neill uh. just has such good physical comedy. Like, the way he walks walks in and he's still kind of like, he looks and like he legit got beat up on the way to the set. Like, the makeup's great, but it's all the way he moves. Like, Peggy reaches over and, like, touches him. And he, he at the same time, oh no, freaks out, and also grunts his face in pain because, like, he hurts everywhere. It's it's really good. <laughs> so, now we see uh, Bud and Kelly appear on screen. Well, well, well. <laughs> Cud, Belly, what are we doing here? Daddy, we know what you've been doing. It's all over town. But I've been having sex with my wife? No, I'm ruined. Not that eggplant. We're talking about fighting in the street with Ray Ray's boys. Daddy, this is Chicago, 1990s. This is not some gunfight at the Oki Corral. Okay. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm just a little pissed. 
Right now, now, kids, I appreciate your concern, but I have given my word to a very dear old friend, and as soon as I can remember her name and where she lives, I'm going back there. Have I gone yet? No, Dad. Well, then give me a push. So, so they come out of nowhere. Yeah, do they feel just like sliced in, like just dropped in because, oh, we forgot about Bud and Kelly, so we better write a scene for them. Pay us. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, you know, I mean, they, they, they live in suburban Chicago. I mean, like, you know, this would be like more of like the inner city Chicago area. So, again, like mm-hmm. where you would expect Al to have grown up. So it's like, how would they know? Like, in other well, words, if, if they're in high school or college, right? Well, Luigi, I think Kelly was making her rounds, her nightly rounds on her night job, like she normally does. And while she was on guy number 43, who was part of Ray Ray's gang, they, she, Ray, Ray, the guy from Ray Ray's gang is talking, yeah, we beat the crap out of this Bundy guy. And she's like, oh, awesome. And then wait, wait a second, Bundy. My name is Bundy. And you know who else's name is Bundy? Daddy! Oh, <laughs> thanks for tying that together. Too. Hey, it's all about continuity on this yeah. podcast. Well, they both know who Ray Ray is, so he must be fairly well known in the hood. <laughs> so, you know, Kelly says, you know, Daddy, this is Chicago, 1990s, not some gunfight at the Oki Corral. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm all right. I'm just pissed. <laughs> Did you guys watch this with subtitles? Because when uh, when she says "Okay, Corral" or "Okay, Key Corral" or something, he said, "But Bud goes okay." The subtitle is "O period K period." They subtitled it to what Kelly hears, not what he means. <laughs> hey, so the "Okay Corral" is a very famous thirty-second uh, shootout between lawmen and members of a loosely organized group of outlaws called the Cowboys that took place at 3 p.m. on Wednesday, October 26, 1881 in Tombstone, Arizona. It's one of the most famous shoots out in the American West. Now, what's interesting is like a 30-second shootout. It's like everyone has heard about the OK Corral. So, I mean, it's pretty significant, I would say. And some of the famous Watch names... Watch the movie there, Tombstone. Yeah, right, very famous. Watch the movie Tombstone. One of the greatest movies ever. Westerns ever. So that's, you know, Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and, you know, all of those um, characters mm-hmm. that are familiar from the pop culture. So anyway, uh, I thought that was pretty good. Speaking of Westerns, I, there's a, a film from 1995 called Wild Bill. It's about Wild Bill Hickok and Christina Applegate's in that. And I saw that just a couple of days ago. So a coincidence there for you, Alex. Oh, yeah, that's my... Uh that that's uh actually on my watch list. I downloaded everything Christina Applegate has appeared in. That took forever, and I was like, "Oh hell yeah, she's in a western, sweet." <laughs> so. You might be jealous of uh, David Arquette in that one. Oh, I most likely will. Oh, and by the way, before we go out within the scene, David Faustino, did he fall asleep in a tanning bed? Because. <laughs> He looks like the toast that I've left in the toaster just a little too long. <laughs> I thought it was the lighting on set, but okay. yeah. But Kelly, but Kelly looks nice. And it's just, oh, he looks scary. Like <laughs> all right. So now Al returns back to Ray Ray, and they have this great encounter, and Al delivers this magnificent speech. Yo, Ray. 
What is it with you, Bundy? You still not getting enough curb in your diet? I mean, we knock you around, you come back. Why? Why do you do it? For the same reason men climb mountains or sail across the sea alone. For the only reason that a rational man would do an irrational thing like this. Pride. No, women. I'm a moron, Ray Ray. We're all morons. That's what comes from being a man. From the first little worm they dare us to eat, to the last big shovel full of snow they convince us we can move, we're nothing more to women than an amusement park ride with life insurance. Why else would we do the idiotic things that we do? For example, you ski? No. Well, you will someday if a girl wants you to. We all would. We'd hurtle down that mountain so fast that the crack of our bodies hitting the tree wouldn't even resonate in their ears before we'd pounce up and say, I'm okay. <laughs> they know we're not okay. Hell, even if they missed that pair of squirrels running away with our hacky sacks, one glance down at the color of the snow would hint that there might be some trauma. And we've all been to a weight room when a pretty girl walks by and said to ourselves, gee, I think I'll start today's warm-up bench press with, oh, nine tons. <laughs> so you see, Ray Ray, as long as there's women, there'll be men around doing stupid things to impress them. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. That's why they're here. Now, someday you may evolve beyond this, but uh, it's too late for me. I'm too old, too married, and lost far too many hacky sacks. So, it's either I split so you look cool in front of your girl, or you look cool in front of yours and kill me. Let's rock. What are your thoughts on that speech? You know, this is like, this to me, like, is up there with, like, um, you know, the, um, when Al, the librarian, um, the speech that he thought he could. But, you know, like, I think Ed O'Neill delivers these great monologues. And, I mean, this is one of them that I think, like, really ranks up, you know, top three for me. I would. Yeah, I think as an actor, he must love this kind of stuff. But, yeah, that's a great speech. I actually was thinking about the speech last night. I was trying to write what my what I thought my notes, what I what my thoughts were in my notes, and I I just ruminated for so long because I think and I thought about the speech between um, Al and the librarian and Al on the road um, and the, with the whole car scene, and I just keep thinking it's brilliant writing to have this sitcom trope where characters who are very like you know uh, crazy and out there all of a sudden have a very very serious monologue all the laughter goes away all the music or sound goes away and it's just their words and the show's like this is heavy guys be take it seriously but it's they don't take they take it seriously and they don't because like there's still it's still al bundy saying this they, you don't have to suspend your disbelief. So when he's like, do you ever been skiing? My favorite line. And then he's like, no. 
you will if a girl wants you to. Like with that like that little sly voice in there. A- any other sitcom would have been like, have you ever been skiing? No? Well, you will one day if a girl wants you to. He would have been, he would have spoke seriously. Nope, Al stays in character perfectly, and that's a testament to Ed O'Neill's uh, ability to act. Um, and there's one reference in that speech uh, for uh, some of the younger people out there, the hacky sack. So, you know, this was a game uh, that was very popular in the early 90s, um, and it really died out about 20 years ago, around year 2000, you know, maybe about 2005. Actually, people playing it as much. Yep. It goes back to the 80s. I remember playing yep. it a lot when I was in college. I thought it started in like the 1910s. That always looked to me like a kick the can or kind of like, uh, you know, a ball in a cup kind of thing. Like, hey, let's just get a, a shoe and fill it with dirt and let's kick it. Or, I mean, a sock and fill it with dirt and kick it around. Um, yeah. I don't know. Just look at thirty. Well, no, yeah. Well, well, Tyler. The history is that it, it became popular in the seventies, and um, it really remained popular through the nineties. And I never learned how to play it. I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not flexible that way. But it was a big thing, you know, on college campuses and high school. You know, people would have these sacks and they'd be playing like trick games, almost like you'd see in soccer, oh. or football, as you would say in Australia, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> I was a kid in the night. I was in elementary school, middle school in the '90s. I remember the hacky sack, and it was stupid because it required it required you and at least one other person, preferably two, to be equally as good at hacky sack. That is not a good game. Like, <laughs> So finally, you know, Ray Ray just walks away with his entire gang, and Mary Ellen comes up to Al. I owe you a lot of thanks. And if you were telling the truth about the reason you did this, I guess I owe you an apology, too. What for? For being a woman? <laughs> Accepted. Hey, Mary Ellen, let me ask you something. If I wasn't married and I did what I did for you, would I, would I get to nail you? No. Then it was all worth it. I just thought that was a brilliant ending because, again, you know, this is, you know, Al with his unrequited love and she remains an unrequited love. I mean, obviously, Al was never going to cheat on Peg, but he still cared for her. And I think, Stephen, you touched on that. Yeah. And that's what makes this one very endearing. And, uh, yeah, I just really like this one. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast.com at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. How many bad checks would you rate this episode? I'm going to give it four bad checks. I liked it. Uh, I Like I said, I liked the endearing part about it. The only problems I had with it was that uh, trying to slice in Bud and Kelly there at the end. 
because it just didn't seem to come off that well. But other than that, I thought this was a good, solid episode, good, solid writing. I liked it. Four out of five. Great. Annabelle, how many bad checks would you rate this episode? Well, I think I would also write four bad checks for this episode. I did start out on three and a half bad checks, but I think after we've discussed it today and just realizing what like this quite a good amount of, you know, good lines and good interesting little bits, I've just bumped it up another half a check. So yeah, I would give it a four. Um nothing else much to say on that topic. I I like it. Uh, I don't love it. It's it's I think it's very good. But it's I, I sort of feel like it's an episode that may get forgotten about a little bit, which is a shame because it's a great one for Al, for Ed O'Neill. And like his speech at the end just elevates the whole thing, in my opinion. Tyler, how many bad checks would you write for this episode? Well, guys, I'm going to stay in debt for a very long time because I'm going to be writing five bad checks for this episode. Nice. Mm-hmm. I, yes, I love, capital L-O-V-E, love this episode. I love any time the show really goes hard into that, like, Looney Tunes cartoony aspect with uh, Al's character. Um, this is an Al-centric episode, therefore other characters need to take a back seat, and I'm totally fine with that. We had every character have moments in there. Um, Steven touched on how it he doesn't really like that Kelly and Bud were sliced in there. And even though you're right, it, it does seem like it was sliced in, but I do truly believe they were in there for a reason to remind audience members that this is all happening just a few, like, streets away, <laughs> like, city, even though it feels like they've gone very far away for their honeymoon. And everything with Ray Ray's gang, the possible social commentary that's happening in here, and just reconnecting with old friends and seeing going back home, which is something that I think everybody feels at least once in their life. So yeah, five bad checks out of five. Okay, and I'm also going to give it a four. I love this episode. Um, it's not a five for me, but very close to it. I mean, Al's speech at the end. I think is what really makes it for me. I love sort of that whole interplay with him and Ray Ray, uh, him getting to reminisce, you know, what it's like to go home again to the old neighborhood, something near and dear to me as well, uh, growing up, uh, you know, in an urban area. So and I actually recently done that too. So it was a very poignant episode for me. So four bad checks. All right. I said I was going and I'm going, but let me tell you something. I'm not going to just disappear. You'll see me again. Wherever a fat woman shoves a smelly foot <laughs> in front of some poor guy's face, I'll be there. And now, the last word on this episode. Calling in from his two-thirds acre retirement property on Lake Chickamacomico that the government hasn't yet padlocked, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the creator and executive producer of the Married with Children podcast, Mr. Alex Edwards. <laughs> All right, then, there now. Hood and the Boys. Uh, this has always been a favorite of mine since I was a kid. 
you know, starting off with Oprah's wedding gown on the newspaper that Peg's reading, and it goes like she stretches out all the pages. I mean, that is just classic visual comedy. Love it. You know, it was a big thing. Oprah being fat back then. <laughs> Peg can't remember the last time Al took her to the beach, though. Uh, you don't remember Life's a Beach, Peg? You don't remember that episode? It was classic. Al and Al saying, my doing days are over. I'm done. <laughs> when he says, are you going to do her? I mean, that was just classic. And in this episode, we have the legendary moment where they show the do not take checks from this man <laughs> sign. <laughs> like, that is absolutely amazing. Uh, you see that posted all over the place for years now. I mean, that is just stuff... Uh, legends are made of. Al saying to this chick, you don't look like a slut at all, or so I heard you had some sex. (laughs) I mean, God, that was like great writing and her reactions are great because it's like, how do I react to such absurdity? Ray Ray being the bad kid who uh, orders steak and egg sandwiches and doesn't pay for them. Um, That kid was cool, you know. Uh, Maybe they could have maybe casted somebody more fitting, but I think he he had a menacing enough uh, vibe about him that, that that works for me. And with the Michael Jackson beat it music when Al and his, his uh, bros were walking down the street to, to do this fight, uh, I found it odd that in a comedy sitcom uh, they did it seemingly cooler than Michael Jackson did it in his video. His was a Way more corny and cheesy than than even on Married with Children when they were parodying it. Peg expecting three sex romps from Al is just insane. I mean, I know some girls like it three times a day, but... I wanna make love, Very slowly Three times in a row All night Why would you expect it from Al? Al calling Bud and Kelly cud and belly. Amazing. That always stuck with me growing up. Al's speech about women and how men are like amusement park rides with life insurance. We get a let's rock from Al when he's going to fight this guy one last time. And we get the big moment where where Ray Ray and his boys walk away and, and Al won, I think. I mean, the girl said she still wouldn't have slept with him, but um, I guess they're not going to bother her anymore for the steak, steak and egg sandwiches, I guess. So uh, I don't know if this is a temporary fix or permanent, but hey, uh, it got the point across as far as the uh, episode goes. So yeah, I give this one a, a solid. I really, really like this one. This is a, a four out of five for me. That's Al, folks. And before we sign off, I just wanted to say... This is our inaugural episode. We hope you, the Married with Children podcast fan base, liked it. We have a plan to continue this uh, for the next uh, four seasons. You know, I don't think that any of us, uh, we, any of us on our own, could have not done this alone. Well, if I said that correctly, so I want to thank you know Stephen, Tyler, Annabelle, and give you a preview of some of what's happening in the future. So. Uh, we will. This will probably be one of the few episodes you hear all four of us together. What we will be doing is breaking up into teams. 
Next episode will be myself with Chris Gunther, who many of you know from the Married with Children podcast Facebook page. Annabelle will be teaming up with Matt Thompson in Australia, and Stephen and Tyler will be working together. We will be having some guest hosts, some guest co-hosts, guests. We're going to try to change it up a little bit, but we want to keep this format, and we especially, especially want to thank Alex for giving us his blessing on this, giving us uh, being extremely helpful and giving us a podcast. audio clips and access and a podcast to do this. Yes, an excellent template. We hope that uh, we can make him proud with this and hope that you continue listening. And fans, make sure you're vocal. Like, we we want to hear. Message any one of us. Uh, well, I mean, message me, of course, privately, if you wish. Or post it on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter, uh, through the Mary with Children uh, site. And just tell us how you, what you like. What you Maybe if you want to hear something more. If you want to be on the episode. More than, more than happy for that. Yeah, so... So tune in next time. The other Bundys think Bud is flipped out when they overhear his basement conversation with his cool alter eagle who arrives from another universe and shows Bud the tactics on picking up women. Meanwhile, Al has a personal battle of his own with a voice over phone service to order a spare part for the Dodge. So tune in next week. That's right. Yep. He needs an alternator. So thank you again and tune in next week. Same Bundy time, same Bundy channel. Thanks, everyone.